Happy Tuesday. I hope you're having a great week. I wanted to let you know that we are running an Instagram contest for the four-part experiential virtual retreat, Thriving in the Face of Breast Cancer. Head on over to Behind the Pink Ribbon Instagram page and check it out. You could win up to 50% off for you and a friend. For more information and details about the retreat, please visit BehindThePinkRibbon.com and check out the virtual retreat page. Kristen Gritter joined me on this week's episode of Behind the Pink Ribbon to share her story. She was diagnosed with breast cancer in September 2017 at the age of 31 following a self-breast exam. Kristen talked about her diagnosis, coming to peace with having breast cancer before the official diagnosis, as well as her treatments. She shared the struggles that she faced with reconstruction and the decision to explant, which will literally be a weight off her chest. Take a listen in. Welcome to Behind the Pink Ribbon, where we share stories, information, and other content related to breast cancer. My name is Melissa Adams. I am a 12-year genetic breast cancer survivor. I've learned so much through my own journey with breast cancer. I have met some amazing people along the way, many that have become lifelong friends. I have experienced the emotional roller coaster of a breast cancer diagnosis, heartache, anger, frustration, loneliness, and even gratitude. Through this podcast, we will speak to breast cancer survivors, supporters, and healthcare professionals to gain insight and understanding behind the pink ribbon. Thanks so much for being with me today, Kristen. It's nice to have you. It's great to be on the show. Thank you for inviting me. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your diagnosis. Um, You were 31 at the time of your diagnosis. So how did you even find out that you had breast cancer? Um, by chance, actually. So there's no breast cancer in my family uh, history. Um, I was doing the monthly, you know, on the first, you fill up, make sure you, <laughs> you find your bumps. Um, and I had a spot that I was concerned with for a few months that didn't change. Um, so I went in to the doctor. Then because I was over 30, I went in for um, my diagnostic mammograms because the spot was still there. And that spot turned out to be a fibroadenoma, but right next to it is where my cancer was. So it literally was um, coincidence uh, that I just happened to go because of another area, but my cancer was actually next to that area. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of crazy. So the, the spot that you felt, um, Mm -hmm. you know, was it, was it hard? Was it soft? Like what? Was it, it movable? Like it was hard. Okay. Yeah, it was hard, and um, there was no visible issues with it, and it kind of moved a little bit. I figured it was just those form, you know, those type of cysts that you get through your cycle, mm-hmm. and but after a few months, it wasn't going away, and so that's what kind of got me. Okay, you know, it's been a few months. This hasn't changed. You know, that's not normal. Um, and so I went to the gynecologist. We went, did an exam, and she's like, she told me, she said, if it weren't for cysts, you wouldn't have any breasts anyways, which is very true. So I had very dense oh. breast tissue. Um, no, yeah, it's still kind of painful harsh. while she's feeling me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, while she's doing the exam, she's like, man, you have very. Anyways, it was, it's comical now. But then I was like, well, dang. <laughs> um, but when I went to do my mammograms, I actually. Only did one set. It was diagnostic, which is a little bit different than the yearly mammograms. Um, but 
they had a hard time even, you know, as wonderful as these ladies are that get in here and they squish where they need to to get things. They had a hard time as well because my cancer was almost against my chest wall. Mm-hmm. And with that dense of tissue, um, basically the calcifications of the tissues, um, they had to try to get them in pictures for the radiologist to see. Um, so we were able to do that. And the radiologist came in and said, there's three places that we need to biopsy. Um, two of them are going to be stereotactic biopsies where they stab you with a ice pick. It's great big fun. Yeah, um, sounds like it. <laughs> and one was, <laughs> yeah. And then one was ultrasound lead. Um, so I went through all of that. It, I was kind of, I wouldn't say comforted, but I was kind of explained to, you know, we don't think it's cancer. You're only 31. There's <sighs> calcifications. That's not normal. Um, but we're going to send them all, you know, that kind of thing. And I remember, so I had a month in between my mammograms and my first set of biopsies. Oh, wow. In that whole month, I remember telling my husband, I'm like, it's cancer. I know it is. It's fine. It's cancer. We'll deal with it. And I think in my way, that was my coping mechanism of if it does come back as cancer, I can just keep going, you know, move on to the next piece of it. So and, um, I have a quick question. Um, sure. Was there any hesitation from your gynecologist to even send you for a diagnostic? Um, no, because of how dense the tissue was. Okay. Um, so I think that if I had not had um, such dense tissue, it probably would have been a bit of a fight because I didn't have a family history. Yeah. Um, and I was only 31, you know, and insurance trying to move it up to 45. Some of them are 50. I know. Some it's of so them annoying. <laughs> don't even require it. But, um, but no, luckily, um, because I had so many areas that she wanted to check, okay. um, I was able to kind of go through pretty quickly and um, get all of that, that piece of it done. Good, um, good. But it, like I said, there was, there was a month in between. Um, and I remember... I was hoping to get a call on a Friday, um, yes or no, whatever it may be. And I remember going over the weekend, and I work with all men. I work in the IT department, so I'm the only girl on the team. So I'm like everybody's daughters because I'm also 20, 25 years younger <laughs> than some of them. Um, and I remember just I just happened to walk outside, and I was going for a walk because I'm like, I have not heard anything. I just need to de-stress. And I happened to be walking up to my car, and that's when I got the call saying, we thought yours weren't, wasn't going to be cancer, right? And I said, yeah. And she said, two of them came back as atypical cells, and the other one came back as DCIS grade 2, hormonal positive. And I was like, oh, so I have cancer. Okay. <laughs> so then I was like, well, what do I do now? You know, my, my automatic mommy mode, as I would call it, kicked in, and I just wrote everything down and oh, went wow. back to my desk and I went back to my desk and the guys were like, where'd you go? And I was like, I just needed a break. Oh, by the way, it is cancer. And I just started working again. Oh my goodness. And like, Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> but I had already made my peace with it, you know, and, right. I, and that was kind of my coping mechanism was, okay, if it's not cancer, then, whew, you know, yeah. but if it is cancer, I can keep going. You know, yeah. I've got three kids. I work full time. Um, my son has special needs. And 
you know, so I just had to really figure out my best way to cope with it. That's um, but it's well, so funny. I find that, sorry, I'm going to interject real quick. No, you're fine. I, you know, I, I tried that. I tried really mm-hmm. hard to convince myself that it was cancer and I knew that it was cancer. Like I absolutely mm-hmm. 100% knew because of the radiologist, um, that did the biopsy. Like I knew mm-hmm. 100% that that's what it was. And still mm-hmm. when I got that phone call, it just, Like it just stunned me. Um, So I just find it super fascinating, you know, when, and we're all different, right? Like, you know, we go through this process in a different way and the way that we handle things is very different, you know, but I didn't have three kids, you know, I was working full time, (laughs) but I didn't have three kids. So, you know, I think that probably adds a different layer, a different perspective um, and, you know, kind of that like, okay, get, get down to the nitty gritty and let's get going. Yeah. Well, and then the other piece of it is, is, you know, I'm, I'm a very type A personality. And so I had already researched this, this, and this. I knew no matter what, I wanted bilateral mastectomies. I knew I wanted to go flat. Like I knew all of these things before anybody had spoken the word. Oh my God. (laughs) Like I was already, I was ready. Yeah. And then when we got to the stage of talking about reconstruction or not and all of that with the general surgeon, plastic surgeon, all of that kind of stuff, um, my cancer was up against my chest wall. So my general surgeon, I won't say forced me, but strongly encouragedly forced me. <laughs> no, he didn't force, but he did encourage me to do um, nipple sparing mastectomies mm-hmm. um, and with delayed reconstruction. So in the hopes that the nipples would survive, um, which they did. Um, but it's caused more mental issues with me than I think if I had taken them off at that point. Right. Um, so, well, you said that you wanted to, you said, flat. yeah, mm-hmm. that like you had this plan already in place. Yes. And I did. So did you at and least I have of, that conversation? Like, did you have that conversation with him? Um, we did, and I and I talked to him about it. I remember sitting in the room with the nurse navigator, the surgeon, my mom, and my husband. And growing up, I always had body dysmorphia issues like anorexia, things like that. Like I was always dealing with a not like of my body. Mm-hmm. Um, so my mom, specifically knowing that history of my mental, um, she didn't I will say this in a nice way. I mean, she didn't, she didn't know as I didn't know if I could do flat or not. Okay. Um, so, you know, she kind of encouraged it. And then, you know, I talked to my husband and, you know, getting his hope was, you know, if we can get some that are maybe saline, get feel more natural for you, all of those kinds of things. So, you know, they both kind of encouraged to do the delayed reconstruction as well. Okay. Um, so that's kind of how I went that route. Um, had a rough trying the route and still having a rough time with that route. Uh, but I had my bilateral mastectomies uh, in lymph node removal on October 24th, 2017. So just over three years ago um, was my cancer-free date because my lymph nodes were negative. Um, So, yay, negative margin. (laughs) Um, So from there, you know, it it moved 
as you know, very quickly. So October, bilateral mastectomy. In December, I had my expanders placed December 27th, so right after Christmas. Then April of the next year, I had my first set of implants that were defective. They were saline, and they rippled as soon as she put them in. Like, she's like, these are not, no, like, there's something wrong with these. We need Mm. to take them out and put something else in. So from April to August of 2018, uh, you know, I had new implants put in in 27 or on April. And then that August, I had another set of implants put in within four months. Um, And so so these guys are over two years old. (laughs) I'm going to, I have a, I have a lot of questions. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just used to telling my story. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, good, good. Um, I always feel mm-hmm. like it's um, good for us and good for other people when we are in a space of being able to share our stories. So I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> so, you know, before we started recording, I, I want to bring this up because I think it's an important point is you had DCIS, um, that was diagnosed through the biopsy. By the time you went in for surgery, it was six centimeters. Um, right. The only it was difference still contained with yeah. my duct. Yeah. yeah. So the 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 biggest difference there was that it just it hadn't gone through or became right. invasive, um, but still right. a substantial. I mean, six centimeters is not like. That's not small. Yeah, especially in milk ducts. Right. <laughs> you know, this in your breast, yeah. Yeah. So um, I wanted to make sure that we made that a point, um, you know, for our listeners, you know, that, that yeah, it was still DCIS, but it had grown. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, thankfully, you had the, the mastectomy at the time that you did, um, mm-hmm. you know, because... It, yeah, if it had broken through, it would have been stage four yeah, that's, um, automatically. That's um, so it's it's... Yeah, so it's a matter of, yay, we caught it early, but then you have this whole survivor's guilt thing that, sure, you know, I could have been a stage four very easily if I hadn't caught it. You know, it's it's a happy and guilt kind yeah. of balance that you end up having as a survivor. Right. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it, yeah, it, I don't think I ever really sat and processed that piece. It was just more of, what do we do to move on? Sure. And, um, but, you know, here locally, you know, here in Kentucky, we have a very, say, we have hardly any support groups, especially for women under 40 who are diagnosed. They go through different mm-hmm. um, emotions. You know, you're, you're yes. still in childbearing years. You still have all of these things that is much different. Um, and, you know, we really don't, have that here in Kentucky. So, you know, for me, I found one support group and I'm actually on the board um, now. Good for Uh, you. And they, (laughs) and, you know, it's just a small group, but we're trying to make a difference. You know, last year we did a calendar of 12 separate survivors in those milk baths, Mm -hmm. um, beautiful, gorgeous flower um, sessions, just to give them a you are still beautiful, yeah. even having to have gone through this. And every one of the women just looked amazing. It was, it just turned out phenomenal. And, um, you know, all those girls are like, we can still be attractive and sexy yes. and, you know, all these things. And, you know, it, it may not be the body you thought you would end up with, 
<laughs> um, Amen. But you, yeah, right. Um, but you're still here, and you know. So we we worked really hard with with that um, those survivors. You know, and we try to do other things locally. Like we 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 provide like transportation. So um, Kentucky is a big, long, weird shaped state. So <laughs> on the east east side of Kentucky, there's hardly any hospitals, and there's no breast cancer support at all. Oh, wow. And there's no support groups over there. there there's nothing. So we're trying to branch that way yeah. <laughs> um, and try to provide help because there's a lot of women who don't know you can get bras through your insurance after you've had mastectomies. Yeah. Um, they don't. There's a lot of women who, you know, don't even know what you need if you have to have surgery or, you know, all those kinds of things to get through it or, you know, eating ginger while you're having your chemo will help with nausea, you know, like all those kinds of things. You know, we are, quote unquote, fortunate <laughs> enough to know these things. Um, so we're trying to really help at the patient level, not at the ribbon level, if that makes sense. It does. So it um, <laughs> it so, 100% does. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, so it's, it's, it's helped me heal, though, because yeah. I've been able to kind of tell my story. That's awesome. And even if my journey is different. Um, you know, every time you tell it, you end up with new features or new pieces that you, you kind of get out there, um, that help you heal as well. So it's been really fun. Well, good. Um, Mm -hmm. so I, I want to go back to the other question that I had, um, which was, so if I'm understanding this correctly, um, you had the mastectomy followed by expanders, one set of Mm -hmm. implants put in that immediately were taken out a mm-hmm. second set put in that mm-hmm. failed and then another set put in. So, so ultimately I've only had three? two sets. Oh, okay. Two sets. I've had expanders and two sets of implants. Okay. So the set I have in now is the ones that they're, we don't know that there's a leak cause we haven't done an MRI. Um, but I'm having them removed anyways next month oh, for wow. my birthday. I'm so excited. For your birthday. <laughs> It's I bad love it. that you're excited. <laughs> you know that they're hurting you and bothering you if you're yeah. excited to have surgery for yeah. your birthday. Oh, but absolutely. I'm very excited. Yeah. So, um, well, let me ask you this because um, I, I, I am still a little confused, so I want to make sure maybe everybody else has it. But so the, the rippled ones, um, the ones that immediately yes. rippled, did you have those in for a period of time? Um, they rippled from day one. Um, and I kind of figured that that was going to happen. And even my surgeon, she's like, I didn't want to say anything. So she didn't say anything until like my third or fourth week out. Okay. And she's like, Kristen, she's like, this is not how they're supposed to look. She's like, it's, there's a defect. We're going to have to take them out. Okay. Um, which I, like I said, I had already figured that wasn't how they were supposed to look, Right. <laughs> but there's also a difference in under the muscle and over the muscle. Yes. So mine were over the muscle. So I just have implant, okay. <laughs> you know, so yeah. if, if it's not going to shape correctly, then there's not much I can do about it. It's just an implant. Right. <laughs> so, okay. Um, so what, so that was kind of what she, she actually ended up sending them back to R and D. And I think it was somewhere in Netherlands actually oh. that make it, um, but it was a saline implant, mm-hmm. and um, so those are a lot more fluid, supposed to feel more natural. Right. Um, and then the second set, we went in with 
um, high cohesive, so the the gummy bear, if you want to call it that, Um, and a bigger, (laughs) I don't know why, but anyways, um, and those have just, just, my health has had a ton of issues since I've gotten those in. I've gained 65 pounds in the last year. And I was a 120-pound person my entire life. (laughs) Um, So I've almost doubled my weight from when I met my husband. I've had a lot of other health issues, um, gastro issues. I've had, you know, all these other things have come up, which is why I'm like, you know what, even, even if it doesn't get better with the implants, these implants are not comfortable to me. You know, I'm not comfortable in my body right now with them. Um, I always wanted to go flat. Um, You know, so it's kind of like it took a very long six, seven surgeries to get there, (laughs) to come back around to where, you know, I'm finally, the surgeon I'm going to see is out of Cleveland. um, And she's a specialist with people who have it's 11 different symptoms um, to be considered what they call breast implant illness. Yeah, it's not technically there yet, but I think I had, she's like the leading researcher. Yeah. I think I had somebody else um, on the podcast and I don't <laughs> want to say a name because I'm not 100% sure that that's who it is, but <laughs> I am almost positive that somebody else has gone to that same doctor um, because yeah. I know it was in Cleveland. I know she was a specialist, a specialist, <laughs> specifically with explanting so um yeah so there's two and she there's there's one in california who's he's phenomenal and then there's one in cleveland so it probably is the same yeah well then Um, it sounds like from what i've heard you're in really good hands um yeah i'm very excited yeah that's that's the way i want to spend my birthday yeah you know in (laughs) 35 in surgery (laughs) (laughs) you know and um there is i don't think any other I don't think there is any gift that you could give yourself that is Mm -hmm. more important than being comfortable in your own body. Right. Right. Like that is just, we are given this body and we have to be in it for the lifetime, right? Like we can't, you know, swap out this or that. And, you know, I'd like to have these thighs and this butt and, you know, we can't swap those out like Mr. Potato Head or whatever, but, um, (laughs) You know, I, I think it's so important that whatever it takes for you to feel comfortable in your own skin and in your body mm-hmm. and just to have a healthy level of self-love, um, mm-hmm. I think that's the best birthday gift that you can give yourself. Yeah, I'm I'm beyond excited about it. You know, it's, it's one of those things that it's a long path to get here, but I'm so ready for it. And I'm, it, it's just. I I have tattoos and things like that. So at first I was like, well, I'll just do tattoos over them and I'll feel better. And, you know, but for me, honestly, and this is a breast cancer thing that some women have and some don't, is because we did nipple sparing, I mentally have had more issues with healing because I have my original nipper, nipples. Mm. So it's one of those things that with my areolas and nipples, by saving them, it's, you have a risk that they will come back because it could be, you know, right. potentially with your areola. Plus, they don't look the same. Whether they were the same areolas or not, you know, the the implant is going to sit differently than your original breast did. And so for me, it has been such a detriment to 
my self-esteem, um, you know, just the way I look at myself. And, and it's so funny because and I say funny, but that was the opposite of the intention. You know, the intention yeah. was, hey, if you could keep this part of your original <laughs> um, set, you know, you'll heal better. You'll, you know, all these things. And for me, it, it was the opposite. You right. know, it, it's ended up causing me more anxiety, you know, a disconnect with my husband from time to time, you know, those kinds of things, because just like they kind of look like it, but they're not the real meat, you know, so yeah. they're just implants. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not worth especially it. being above the muscle. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, you know, aside from all of the symptoms that you've talked about and, you know, having mm-hmm. 11 different things that you're experiencing. I mean, that's a lot. And then add on top of that, just, you know, um, you know, just the impact on the relationship, like that, that's, that's huge. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, at the end of the day, um, it really is not that important, um, you know, to, to continue to compromise your health. Um, and I, I say that, um, with a little bit of caution because I don't ever want anybody to, feel like they have to run out and get explanted. That's obviously a yeah, very and personal it's not, decision. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, but I think those are big things to take into consideration. I mean, that's that's a conversation that has to be had. And, you know, I, I'm i sad that it's taken, you know, the six to seven surgeries to get to this place. <laughs> but, you know, none of our paths are clear, right? Like there's you no know, straight line I'm always. Still here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, there's some zigzags and, you know, maybe we do some loops. <laughs> Um, yeah, right. Like, oh, I've been here before. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, the, the surgery prep team at, at my hospital, they're like, oh, you're back. <laughs> they're like, here, we're going to be in a different room this time. I was like, okay. Yeah, they're like, well, we know you on a first name basis. And right. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah. I get it. Um, you know, that's that's a struggle. And I mean, that's really a lot in, in three years. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, I had... I had 11 surgeries, I think, in seven years, and I thought that was a lot. But, I mean, six or seven in, in three years is, is yeah. Yeah, and then I've, so. I've actually had to have two more. So one of my surgery when we put my second set, the set that's in now, um, they attempted to do fat grafting. Um, the plastic surgeon did to try to help with the, the rippling at the top and ended up causing trauma to my entire left hip. To the point where I couldn't wear pants. I could only wear skirts or dresses um, because I developed what's called neuromas, which are these little pockets of dead blasted nerves that hurt like the dickens. (laughs) And um, basically, I had to go to pain management treatment, and they were literally injecting steroids directly into these pockets of nerves to try to kill them off. And it was... So horrible. And so I ended up eventually I was like, look, I'm going to just try to have surgery with the guy who did my mastectomy, see if he can get them all out. Um, And the pain management doctor warned me, he's like, they could come back and they'll be larger if they come back. And I was like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) Well, two of them have come back, but three of them are gone. Um, so I can at least wear uh, pants now. So that's good. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Being able to wear pants (laughs) little things. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but it's it's just added. I mean, it's just, you know, having to have a hysterectomy because of cancer, you know, like it, all of these components and pieces yeah. play together, you know, well, and, and I, I was, just want to be healthy. 
Yeah, exactly. And I was going to touch on that. Um, so I knew that you had the hysterectomy. So, <laughs> you know, that was um, because the, the cancer came back as being ERPR positive. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So you did the hysterectomy. Did you have to do any chemotherapy or radiation or tamoxifen or anything like that? I did not. Okay. Um, so when they did my mastectomies, they removed any of the lymph nodes that um, were attached um, to that you know, fed in, I guess is a better term. Um, and all my margins came back negative. Um, so because I did bilateral mastectomies and negative margins, I didn't have to do chemo and radiation. The, there's a twofold reason why we had to do the hysterectomy. One is my body rejects birth control, um, because of hormonal issues and especially being hormonal positive. Um, you don't want to pump, you know, mess with all that kind of stuff. There's a higher risk of reoccurrence. And then the second piece is I actually um, had endometriosis as Mm. well quite a while ago. Um, And I had to have surgery in 2012 to have that removed to even have my son. Um, So because I had a history of endometriosis and a history of 90% positivity rate, (laughs) it's a very hormonal cancer. Um, we decided the, the best option was to not worry about birth control and, and doing all this. And then the temporary pre, you know, the temporary chemical menopause. Um, and we, what we ended up doing though, is we did a complete a hysterectomy, except for we left in one ovary. Okay. So by doing that, it kept, it keeps me out of menopause. Right. Um, but then I don't have to deal with all the other risks and pieces and parts to it. And and that part, honestly, I'm happy I did that. I'm like, heck yeah. <laughs> don't have to deal with it. So where don't you? have to go on hormones. <laughs> um, and I hope you don't mind me asking this question, but no, um, at that point in time, had you decided that you were not having any more children or was that something you guys I have decided about? my husband had not. So I have two wonderful stepchildren. Um, who are older, and then we have our son. And after I put, I made a list when I got pregnant. I was like, he has to be chubby with lots of hair, multiple cheeks. <laughs> he needs to have my original nose. And I don't remember. I had like a whole list, and he nailed every one of them first gamut. So I was like, I'm not risking it. Like he's what I ordered. Aww. So I, <laughs> I had already uh, made peace with not having any more kids. Um, but my husband comes from a big family, so. He, but he has three, so okay. he's okay. Okay. We have a girl and two boys, so we're okay. good. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and I think that's... But yeah, um, Yeah, well, you know, and, and I mean, I was diagnosed as well at the age of 31, um, so I, mm-hmm. I get some of it. You know, my circumstances were a little bit different, um, but just, you know, I... I didn't have a partner at the time, um, so that conversation wasn't pop- like all of that decision was on me, right? Right. Um, to to decide, um, I ended up not deciding until later. But you know, they they were really putting pressure on me. But I, you know, I would imagine that that's a pretty difficult conversation to have with your partner, especially mm-hmm. someone who may not necessarily be ready to say, okay, you know, no more kids, um, right? You know, so, or if it's the, or if it's the opposite that 
the cancer decides that you can't have kids. So, right. you know, one of my breast friends here in Kentucky, she um, was 31 when she was diagnosed and she quickly had to have, because her onco score was so high, she quickly had to have a hysterectomy. They didn't get a chance to freeze their oh, eggs yeah. or anything. So, you know, she, to this day, like, it just, it devastates her. She's like, she didn't have a chance, you know, she yeah. had just gotten married, um, 31 years old. And had no chance to to even try, right. <laughs> you know, because cancer kind of stole all of that very quickly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, and that's know, hard. I mean, it's really it hard. Is. Like it's, and yeah. that's the thing is, um, you know, I I feel like that's one of the biggest components that is missing. You know, and I'm I'm genuinely very sad that Kentucky doesn't have more supports. Um, mm-hmm. for women, especially sure. women under, I mean, just in general, but, you know, it's a very different set of circumstances for women who are under 40, um, you know, who are yes. still within that childbearing years. I mean, there, I wasn't even married until I was 36. So, you know, there are a lot of people out there that are sitting in that range and, you know, now you're having to talk about, do I freeze my eggs? Do I not freeze my eggs? Do I have time to freeze my eggs? Should I freeze right. my eggs? I'm not in a relationship. Like there are so <laughs> many things that have to be thought through and discussed. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm genuinely sad that Kentucky doesn't mm-hmm. have more support. Um, yeah, and they, you know, like I said, I'm I'm part of um, a small. It's a very small, um, you know, nonprofit here called My Pink Navigator. Um, that's. Uh, I'm a patient advocate, so as we get new patients, I kind of talk to them and see where they are in the process, but it's all patients by word of mouth, you know, so people don't know about us really until somebody else is like, hey, call Kristen or call Bobby and, you know, that whole thing, Um, and then I've, you know, I've also started my own, like, blog to just mentally help me decompress (laughs) because it's a lot that has happened in three years yeah (laughs) and uh, to mentally decompress all of that you know so I started kycancerwarrior.com okay um, which is just a blog and it's just some of it's really silly like one time I took um, I was getting out of the shower and a sun had come in our bathroom window and lit one of my implants up like a do you remember those little caterpillar things, like toys when we were little? Oh yeah, like the that lit, head up, lit up the glow worm. Yeah, yeah, that's what it looked like. <laughs> you know, so there's it, there's you know stuff that happens that's funny like that. But for me, it's just a way to just breathe. Yeah. And type it all out, you know. And like I said, I have a child with special needs, but he's never really known me as not being sick, and that's the part that that is why I want to explant because I'm hopeful that that will keep me out of my, you know, I'm going to migraine treatments all the time. You know, I have all these things that I feel like I'm at doctor's appointments almost more than anywhere else. And, you know, he's never really known any different from that. So that's hopefully the goal with the explant. But but yeah, it's it's just, it's quality of life, right? Like it's, yeah, exactly. and And it sounds like from your perspective, at least that it's not just your quality of life. It's also Correct. your son's quality of life, mm-hmm. you know, and my you, husband, I mean, yeah. and everything. Yes. Yeah. It's, yes. you know, it's, it's a, it's one of those things that like, I, I literally fell and broke my leg in October and broke, well, I broke three bones <laughs> by oh, one geez. small fall. So it's like, uh, even though I'm only 34, my body's 
like, you're like 70 or 80, (laughs) you know, like it's, it's mad at me. Um, So, you know, I want to try to get all of those things back to be able to get out and play and run in the yard with the kids. Because I just haven't had to be, you know, I haven't been able to do that. Um, these past three years. So, well, and I've heard, you know, that's, I mean, I don't know. I, I still do have my <laughs> implants. Um, but I have heard that once people have been explanted, um, and I should say women, cause I don't think there are men out there that are doing this, but, um, once the women are being explanted, it's a world of difference. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just in terms of It's literally of a weight off your chest. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. Um, drum where's the where's the little <laughs> the little drum? <laughs> that was a good That's one. like the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever said. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you did it on know, my show. It's, <laughs> it's one of those things that even if it doesn't resolve all the other health issues that have come up, my peace of mind yeah. is worth me having these removed because mentally, you know, I'm on, you know, I, I, go, I go to therapy for anxiety. I have, I'm so worried that something else is going to be wrong or, you know, there may be scar tissue that I'm like, oh, is that a lump, you know, and all of that, having the implants impede that stresses me out more than anything. Cause I'm like, well, what if there's something underneath the implant Yeah, and I can't feel it, you know, cause mine was against my chest wall. Right. So mentally, you know, I just haven't been able to um, close that that page, that chapter. Uh, so that's the hope with this explant next next month. Yeah. So well, I hope I ho- I genuinely hopefully. hope that it goes well for you. Um, I Thank hope you. that you find that peace that you're looking for. Um, you know, I hope that it gives you back, you know, the quality of life for you and your family. Um, you know, and I know that. Well, you said you blog, so I'm sure that you will be blogging <laughs> about bit. that at some point in time. So if anybody is oh, yes. interested in finding a follow-up <laughs> um, to see how that goes, they can find you at the KY Cancer Warrior. Um, yeah. Is that KY Cancer on Warrior? On Instagram. Okay, on Instagram. Yes, dot .com. Okay. Um, well, it's dot .com is the website, but there's Instagram, Facebook. It's all K- KY Cancer Warrior. Perfect. Um, so I kind of share it through there. But it's, like I said, it's some. it could just be something randomly you know, my son's autistic, it might be something about that piece, but how it affects what's going on. You know, this is life, you know, and COVID on top of everything else is just (laughs) like, whew. Yeah. (laughs) It's a lot. I'm still here. (laughs) And, you know, it's hopefully, you know, coming to a temporary closure or at least a piece, like I said, a chapter closure um, is, is my hope next month. So. Absolutely. Well, and I yeah. want to make sure that I mention one more time um, sure. that if anybody's looking for support in Kentucky, there is mm-hmm. my pink navigator. Um, mm-hmm. I don't org. know .org. Um, I don't yeah. know if you are um, aware of dragon boating, but Kentucky does have a team um, for breast cancer survivors. They are in Highland Heights, Kentucky. I don't know where that is compared to where you are, but. Um, I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad I'm not so uh, <laughs> on top of my Kentucky geography. Um, but there is a breast cancer team. So if anybody just happens to be listening in Kentucky and they are looking for some support, I know that there is also a breast cancer dragon boat team um, that does exist. And um, it's a very non-traditional support group um, as well. So 
um, yeah, well, I want to just thank you for being a part of the show, sharing your story. Of course. Um, being, I mean, really you're, you're still so fresh and so new into this whole experience (laughs) and you're still dealing with stuff. And yet you sound like you went full force into, I want to help. I want to make this better. Um, get me involved. That's how I, that's how I got through it, honestly. Um, and you know, being able to help other women, we have one girl, she's 22 with two kids and she's single and she was stage three and she's, she's good now. She's in recovery, but, um, but yeah, I mean, being able to just be a a sounding board, if nothing else for somebody, um, has given me so much joy, even though it's a horrible topic that we're having to deal with. Um, so, you know, that's been, the easy, the best part of all of this is, you know, finding people who are beyond the ribbon. It's just women or people and men who all have the same thing. And we all want everybody to feel better and to know they're not alone. And that's, that's been the best thing for me healing um, is to know I can Google it and find a group that, or go to Facebook and find a group that, you know, that's how I found you. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's it's great to have, you know, those kinds of outlets um, or even just talking to a, a real person who's not a response on a, a comment or a post right. um, also helps as well. So absolutely. You know, well, I know that you are going to continue to do great work and mm-hmm. I know that people are going to be impacted by your story and, you know, we have listeners from all over the world and I have no doubt that, you know, it's going to be helpful for somebody else who may be experiencing the same things um, and maybe considering explanting. So um, again, if anybody is looking to get in touch with Kristen, you can find her at kycancerwarrior.com or kycancerwarrior mm-hmm. at Facebook and Instagram. And then also yes. you can find her at mypinknavigator.org. So thank you You again so much. Well, thank you for having me, Melissa. It's been great. Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind the Pink Ribbon. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you or anyone you know would be interested in sharing your story, please send an email to podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com. You've been listening to Behind the Pink Ribbon, produced by American Creative Consulting, mixed and mastered at Riverview Podcasting Studios. For more information, please visit designbyacc.com.